This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Come to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Will. Will, how are you today? Bright suns, everybody. I'm doing really well. I am uh, just getting ready for my uh, our Galaxy's Edge trip coming very soon. So, uh, in fact, our next broadcast, I will be broadcasting from... You know, somewhere uh, very close to Batu, so I'll be very excited. Ooh, about it. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, right here, it feels like we're in Tatooine here. I know. We've had a few hot days as well. Oh, I think today I just heard my wife mention something about the heat index of, heat index of almost 110. Well, I was this past weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, if you remember, I was telling you that I had a Star Wars yard sale. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned something very, very interesting that I love to share. Uh, okay. And that is that people really like Star Wars. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I went around over the past year finding, you know, and again, for those who know, watch, listen to or watch my channel, Darth Tuba Star Wars Boxing Show on YouTube, you know that I'm a collector. I have a lot of uh, different types of things in the collection. But obviously, a limited and finite amount of space. So, you know, every so often, I have to go through and find some things that maybe I no longer want or I think could, someone else would appreciate more at this point. And so, over the year, I've been finding different things, and I've been collecting them and putting them in boxes and putting the boxes in the garage. And then my plan was to have it set up, I have, with, along with some household regular yard sale stuff, and, you know, just... Put it out there and hopefully, you know, some be some interest. Well, I decided to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mainly because it seems like during the week around here, things go, things are a little bit more popular. And it was also Fourth of July weekend. So I figured there'd be people that would probably be traveling. So we get to Thursday morning and I put everything out there. And within two hours, I had six tables filled with Star Wars collectibles. And, and you know, a lot of them were loose and stuff I played with as a kid or whatever. And by the time I got to, you know, two and a half hours in, there was only one table left of stuff. So went the rest of the day, I had to tell people, sorry, we come back tomorrow when I have time to put some, find some more stuff. And then I frantically on Thursday night looked in the collection for more things to be willing to part with. And then I did the same thing Friday, repeat, same thing happened. All of it sold and it wasn't cheap. I wasn't selling it for like, you know, 50 cents. It was stuff selling for, you know, reasonable amounts. Fair, I thought. And then I, I was going to not do it Saturday because the weather wasn't looking good here for Saturday at first. But then apparently our local New Jersey radio station that broadcasts the entire state, one of the t- radio hosts lives in my town, saw the, my Star Wars sale sign, which I did a really cool black and white, black and yellow sign with like black with yellow lettering with the font. Yeah. And he put an article about it on the, the radio's website oh, saying, cool. Oh, and the sales going through Saturday afternoon. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm having a sale on Saturday. I guess so. So I had to go down into the basement again and find more stuff to put up there. And once again, uh, a good chunk of it sold. So um, I, it was, uh, it was very, it was a very good sale and uh, I was excited about it. And now I have uh, money to spend uh, when we're down in Disney world. So there we go. There so, you go. Um, but I'm also, but some of those things are going to be buying more Star Wars stuff to put in the collection. 
<laughs> so there's that. But anyway, all right. So what's the topic today? So today we are going to be looking at some of the myths and misconceptions around the Star Wars universe. Some some are going to be a little bit more more serious. Others are just going to be fun in universe some ones. Uh, in fact, let's start with like a kind of a fun one, kind of one that always gets the jokes. And this actually comes from a a longtime listener. Uh, probably, I'd say, probably one of our most loyal listeners. Uh, he goes by the Twitter handle of Rural Farm Boy. Yeah, boy, um, Oh yeah, we we love Rural Farm Boy. But he asked the question of, and I wish I could actually find a way to get um, voicemail that he sent. But um, basically, it has to do with the 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 myth or misconception or the idea. That stormtroopers can't hit the broad side, broad side of a bantha. Because, I mean, if you if you watch A New Hope, the original Star Wars, Obi Wan yeah. even makes comment about when they were looking at the sand crawler, and he says only only Imperial stormtroopers are this precise when talking about the blaster point. But yet, then the joke becomes that they shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot, but can't hit. And there's all kinds of different fan theories about this. One is that Vader, you know, they were being let go. So, you know, Vader didn't want them killed. So he told the stormtroopers to purposely miss. The other one was that Luke and Leia and Han were being protected by the Force. There's all kinds of different just... <laughs> and then there's the ones that, you know, Luke even makes the comment when he puts the helmet on. You can't see a thing in this helmet. And yeah. that's become kind of the joke of, oh, yeah, you put the, someone put the helmet on, like, you're right, you can't see anything in this helmet. Well, I mean, even just after putting on a Stormtrooper helmet, yeah. you know, for the and let alone, you know, and, and again, shout out to all those members of 501st who <clears throat> put on that, the entire outfit. That is a very challenging outfit to do anything. Yeah. yeah. So, and even, uh, um, what's his name, Rios from, uh, from Solo makes that comment he, from when he's climbing out of the the stormtrooper gear, the mud trooper gear. Yeah. Like, no wonder they can't shoot straight. It's become, it's become a not, I don't want to say a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it, but what was once just an inside joke with star Wars fans has now in many ways become canon. I mean, even in Mandalorian season one of Mandalorian, when he is talking with, uh, uh, was it Rinfield? Yes. Yes. And, and he said, May- uh, Mayfield, Mayfield, Mayfield and yeah. makes the comment of, him being a sharpshooter, and he's he says thing about well, that's not saying much. And I wasn't a stormtrooper. I wasn't a stormtrooper. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that okay, you know the, you know, you got to talk about it in universe and out of universe. Okay, yeah. but I'm going to say one thing for out of universe, and it's just a general statement for all of the myths and misconceptions that we have that we come up with when people are trying to explain the logic of it. Okay, it's it's like. The story I told the other day, the other day, when my students were watching Sonic the Hedgehog too, yes, had a yes. hard time about, you know, grasping the fact that he dismantled an armored truck, you know, really fast. And I'm like, it's an, it's a life, a living, talking hedgehog. Can we please just suspend our disbelief? Yeah. Well, uh, I gave, I gave the example, I gave the example, uh, in, in, uh, Obi-Wan. Where they they did something and everyone was like, "Well, why didn't they do this?" And the answer is simple. Or why 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 you know trying to come up with the logic behind? It, I just said, 
because Star Wars. And again, and this is the thing, if it doesn't resonate with you, if you're the kind of brain, like there are people who cannot get past that. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that maybe you need to find another, you know, maybe historical documentaries are really more your speed. Yeah. You know, something where you can find, you know, like, or a historical movie, like something like Save a Private, Saving Private Ryan that, you know, they, or, or Schindler's List that, or even to some degree Titanic, which while a lot of it was made up, there was a lot of parts that, in it that were very accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's kind of my, my take on that. It's like, go watch yeah. those movies. You, if you want to try to fit that peg into the round hole that is Star Wars storytelling, all right, fine. Yeah. You know, and, but, and, but, but for some people, they just like to talk about it. You know, yeah, like I yeah. love the, the shirt I've seen or the image. And I think it's on shirts. It's on mugs. It's on everything. I love it. It's one of the smartest thing. It says a stormtrooper shoots a red shirt crew member from Star Trek. The stormtrooper misses and the red crew member dies anyway. So, so, yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, you know, every uh, genre has their, has their, their myths and misconceptions. Yeah. So as far as in universe, one, one thing I can think of is, because there was this push for to get as many stormtroopers as they could, like what, everything the Empire did was just numbers. Like that's why the Tie Fighter was so so cheap was so cheaply made. Wasn't it because they were looking for the best you know the best fighter starfighter they could. They just wanted to make something they could make easily, make cheaply, and put a butt ton out there, mm-hmm. and just throw in the same thing with stormtroopers. So I think it could be just the fact that. They're not really, you know, yeah, I mean, the, your basic stormtroopers not getting the the top of the line training. They're just like, throw the armor on, throw them out there, and you're cannon fodder. Right, exactly. Yeah. Pawns go first, right? Yeah. Pa- yeah, yeah, pawns go first. Pawns go um, first. Another, okay, this comes from someone in our own, uh, the Red 5 network. And this is one that is, I think he kind of did it as kind of a, uh, like a joke, kind of a ha-ha, shots fired. He asked the, the misconception or myth, all Star Wars is good Star Wars. Would you consider that a misconception? Or is that something that is more, like you said earlier, just based on opinion? And I think, I think it, all Star Wars is good Star Wars in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I feel that, that there has not, let me put it this way. There has not been a single thing that has come out that has the Star Wars label on it that didn't you know, that I didn't enjoy at least some part of. Yeah. And I speak of the holiday special, the Ewok movies, the Ewok enjoyed cartoons. Now I will say, let's take those three things. The holiday special, the Ewok movies, and the Ewok cartoon Ewok Enjoyed's cartoons. Mm-hmm. It came out Saturday morning. Okay. Each of those things I can watch with a nostalgic eye. Now I will say this, I never actually watched the holiday special when it first came out. I didn't even know it was a thing. It was like 10 years later and I was at a, like a sci-fi convention and you know, there's all that, there's always, there's always that one guy or girl who's selling video. Well, it used to be video cassettes yeah. and then it's been the DVDs of like all these weird, they did, they just found all this weird stuff that you could not get anywhere else. Right. You know? A lot of them had like, there was a lot, I don't know, there used to be a lot of big, big budget movies that the movie itself had different scenes and you'd only see them when if they were on TV, like some kind of an exclusive scenes mm-hmm. that only existed on TV. That, that was a big one for Star Trek. Star Trek yeah. two, I think had like all these different scenes. You can only find them if you watch the network version of it. So some guy taped it and edited it together with, you know, to make the definitive Star Trek two, the Wrath of Khan. And right. um, you could buy that kind of stuff. Anyway, so that's where I found the holiday special. 
Now, the holiday special, and we've talked about this in past episodes, it's not wonderful, okay? But it is interesting to get a snapshot of these actors back in the 70s, you know, wearing their garb and, you know, doing doing what they're doing. And then to also see this variety show concept try to get mashed up with Star Wars. And it, and, it, and there's something fun about that. I mean, I love our Carney. I love Harvey Corman because I love the Honeymooners and I love the Carol Burnett show. And all the Mel Brooks films that Harvey Corman was in. And I love Golden Girls with uh, B. Arthur. Yeah. So I love that these actors are in this show and trying to insert themselves into the Star Wars universe at such a young time when Star Wars was not well known by the older generation. So to me, it was just kind of a fun romp in there. But there are still things that I, you know, the whole itchy with the whole viewing thing with Diane. I just can't even. I always have to fast forward it. It's just too creepy. Now, as far as the Ewoks movies, I mean, I do enjoy, I remember those I did see when they came out. And I do have a nostalgic eye and ear to listen to what the sounds, the find, find the Ben Burt sound effects that they reused. Um, there's, there is an enjoyment there. Plus as a collector, they, you know, the droids cartoons came out with figures as did the, as did the Ewoks. So that was like the last ditch effort of Kenner before they went into hiatus. So there are some things to enjoy. Everything else beyond that, has been more more to enjoy to, than not to me. But again, I'm not a person who, you know, wants to analyze every little thing, wants to follow continuity, you know, that in, that includes books or includes comics or includes video games and and get down into that minutia. So, um, yeah, I think it's myth. I, I would call it myth because I do think the truth, the, the true statement is all Star Wars is good Star Wars to someone. Okay. You know, okay. Maybe not to everyone. Okay. Now, do you have any myths or misconceptions? Yes, I do. Um, and I think it in universe the myth has, and it's the myth of the force, and how the force works. And we've talked a little bit about this, but you know, how does the force work? And at first, you know, when we're first watching the first three original movies, yeah, we're looking at it like it's some sort of energy field. That's all we hear. That, that's the only definition we get. It's an energy field creating by all living things. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. Very vague, right? Kind of like a life energy, okay? Um, you know, kind of based on some Eastern religion, religious philosophy, I mean, that, that kind of thing. Then we get, 20 years later, we get the whole science trying to explain it a little bit more. Right. And, and the internet the very young internet blew up about it with midi chlorine. Right. And, you know, it's, I find, and then that became like, it became, you know, something of, of a more of a scientific thing where it's actually like symbiotic relationship between microscopic organisms and everything. And, 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 you know, human beings and the, or just like, and, you know, more larger life forms and how more midi chlorines that live inside of you, the more force uh, capabilities you would have. And then we go again 20 years later to the sequel trilogy and they kind of ignore it again, or at least they just keep it more vague with just the force. Yeah. So, you know, the myth kind of bounces around in universe, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then fast forward again, a couple of years to Mandalorian and they're talking about, you know, that's the whole reason baby Yoda Grogu was being was being taken by the Empire. They talked they talked about his M count, midichlorian count. 
Mm. So they went back. It's kind of like ping-ponging back and forth. And, and, and I wonder if that's not just, um, you know, some people's science is other people's magic or mysticism. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. And it could also be, oh, in university, it could also be that as the Jedi, the idea of the Jedi kind of, you know, started to die out and, you know, the, the Empire was on the rise that that old knowledge became, you know, the old knowledge of the Midichlorian for the common person became more kind of forgotten and the Force became something more mystical. Right. Because this was something from a, an older time, from a time before. Yeah, I mean, you, you can imagine that the whole midichlorian thing was a science because the High Republic and all the time in that in the time of the Jedi being yeah. prevalent, you know, they had an organization in place that could identify Force users or people with yeah. high M counts, if you will, and they could take them and yeah. uh, raise them and teach them the ways of the Force, and then you know populate the Jedi that exists in the universe. Mm-hmm. But then once Order 66 happens, then the Jedi get risen to something more of myth. And and I love that's another thing I love about the book the book of Obi-Wan. Sorry, Obi Obi-Wan Kenobi series is that it kind of talks about that and it talks about how people feel about Jedi, you know, and there is a there is almost a romanticism about yeah. like they are the heroes of the universe that many people consider that and the Empire is trying to suppress that. So, um, you know, I think, I think the whole, well, even the whole idea of Jedi, even Ray, by the time we get to the sequel trilogy, Ray's like, I thought he was a myth. You know, they talk about the legend of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And, and how it was a myth. So I can definitely see the force and Jedi themselves kind of floating in and out of that myth. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I remember there was some stories in, um, I forget if it was, it's all legend now, but it's either comics or, or regular, books, uh, novels, where there would be like an argument going on in a cantina somewhere and somebody would see a Jedi sitting there having a drink and they would call the Jedi over to help settle the argument. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they almost served because I guess everybody knew that this Jedi could take everybody out of the, everybody out in the room or that's at least the impression they had. Yeah. So they felt that he would be a fair and biased, unbiased mm-hmm. referee, if you will. So yeah. uh, another one I had was the whole idea of how many people, I don't know if this falls under myth or misconception, but, or both, but people in the universe, in the in universe, people in the whole universe and the galaxy far, far away, once Anakin turned into Darth Vader, how many people actually knew him, knew that, the, that Anakin was Vader? Mm. It seems to me that we have only a small few people. We have, yeah. We have, we, we started off with Palpatine. I mean, all right. Darth Vader became Darth Vader. He was still looked like Anakin. Yeah. So you got to imagine that the 501st, his squad knew, knew he was Darth Vader. Yeah. But a lot of other people that knew him as Darth Vader, like he, the, Palpatine told the people in Mustafar, you know, all the, all the separatist leaders, I'm sending my apprentice Darth Vader to join you. He'll take care of you or whatever. Right. And then Vader shows up and just kills him. Yeah. Now, maybe they all reached out to friends and family and said, oh, this Jedi named, this Jedi named Darth Vader is going to come and, or this person named Darth Vader is going to greet us. And next thing you know, they're dead. So it becomes the mystery of Vader. But, you know, whether he's Anakin or not, is Anakin yeah. is Vader. That's a, I don't think a lot of people knew. I mean, Reva knew. 
Well, Reva, yeah, Reva figured, I think Reva figured it out. Right. Like, as far as, like, who knew knew and who was, who it was like. The mystery became clear. Yeah. Um, I definitely, yeah, definitely, as you say, of course, Palpatine knew. Um, As far as how many members of the 501st, I think the initial 501st knew. You know, as far as, like, once more people started joining the 501st and its ranks grew that's a different question right but now because there, there's even a there's a scene in and it's now it's actually this is a canon of one of the comics where the librarian oh yeah has to know. yeah she she figures it out because right. there there's a scene where they're in the speeder above coruscant they've just captured her and he, he she turns to the other troopers and said you're hunting jedi but why are you letting a jedi basically order you around and he he drops the he drops the bomb that Vader is Anakin Skywalker, at which point Vader force pushes all the stormtroopers out of the vehicle. Yeah, I wondered like how you know you just put up a good you, you raise an excellent point. Like if if the you know based on like the Bad Batch and the end of the Clone Wars, and we see the Order sixty six through the through the the screen of the clones, right? Yeah, through the view screen. You know, they're just kind of going along doing their thing. And in Bad Batch, too, showed a little bit of this. And they said that once that Order 66 happened, it just like that chip just got activated. Right. And to them, if you were a Jedi, you are a traitor. Yeah. Well, did that also include? It had to include Anakin. I mean, mm-hmm. it had to include Anakin. I mean, we're getting yeah. into the subject here, but I want to talk about it. We, it, you know, because Anakin was still considered a Jedi. And yeah. And it wasn't like, you know, Order 66 was every Jedi except for Anakin. No, Anakin, it, it was a part of that. The only difference is that Anakin was, in, I guess in Palpatine's eyes, was considered dead. And yeah. Darth Vader was is what, what replaced him. Yeah. Even when, you know, when, once he, once he, you know, chopped off Mace Windu's hand and, and, and that was it. He had, he had turned, he, you know, he pledged his, he pledged himself to Palpatine. But anyway. So, yeah, I wonder what that really means. I mean, if if you were in a room full of clone troopers, even if they're the clone troopers that have sworn to follow Lord Vader, and someone tells them, you know, he was a Jedi, right? You know, he's Anakin yeah. Scott. You know, well, they even tried using that that logic in the final season of yeah. Clone Wars with Ahsoka. Yes, Rex tried using that, saying like, well, technically, she's not a Jedi because she left. She left so you- the order. Yeah, and you said you'll be committing committing you'll be committing murder of a civilian, you know, which I I thought was a good at least I'm glad they didn't just use that as a oh well okay you can go you know yeah. but but it was a good way to stall you know yeah yeah so that that's a that's a good one I I, I wonder where I mean we don't have an answer you know no, it's just, no. it's just a, um but I mean I, I remember I remember the the novelization of um Revenge of the Sith. I remember the one big thing about that, and again, we might have mentioned this earlier, was that Anakin and Obi-Wan were like on the hollow net, you know, like on the yeah. version of TV, were considered superstars. Right. You know, because they had, you know, every time they went off and won, won some battle, you know, they, they, put that, they put it on the hollow nets. Oh, the heroes of the heroes of the Empire, Anakin and, and Obi-Wan, you know. And, and I thought somewhere along the lines, there was some stories that, that 
you know, and again, this could be legend, so it may not, would not have mattered, but the people understood that Vader, that Anakin changed his name to Vader and were okay with it because of all the good Anakin did or something like that. It was very weird. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where that, where that came from. Um, I, don't, I mean, I could be totally off the mark, but anyway, that's a good one. Do you have uh, any other? What I have actually found a, an article. It's written by a, uh, it's from the Washington Post, but it's written by a woman named Julie Turnock, who actually is from my hometown. Oh, okay. uh, she went to the uh, University of Illinois at Champaign, Urbana-Champaign, but she has a list of Star Wars myths, five myths about Star Wars. Okay. And the first one is really interesting. Star Wars provided the blueprint for blockbusters. No, that was Jaws. Well, and she said that while it was an immediate sensation, it took 10 years, 10 more years for people scrambling to formulate what made that movie just, just Star Wars so perfect. And it said you had a bunch of bombs that come out like Black Hole, Dune, Tron, all these movies that were big but just couldn't quite capture what A New Hope brought, what the original Star Wars brought. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put a challenge on that, though. As much as I, you know, you should put an article out there. But but the term blockbuster, yeah. okay, where does that come from? It means that there are lines on the sidewalk yeah. that are basically, you know, putting hope, you know, causing there's so many people in line to see a movie that it's breaking the block. It's yeah. breaking the, the, the concrete. That's, you know, which obviously doesn't happen. But it... It's that's where it really kind of comes from. So I really do believe that it was Jaws that kind of started the very, very first. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then Star Wars kind of, you know, was part of that. Yeah. But but she's talking about like Superman was another one. I mean, that was a big that was a big yeah. one. And then of course Raiders came out after that. So yeah, there were a lot of copycats. Yeah. That tried to capture that magic, and of course, you know, Paramount. Wanted to, you know, the whole, they were going to have Star Trek be a TV series. And then as soon as Star Wars came out, they were like, oh, let's make it into a movie. Star Wars motion picture. You know, and then, yeah, you're right. Tron and, well, Tron didn't come out until like 82. But, um, yeah. but these other ones, yeah. So what other things did she say? Well, one, she has that Lucas drew primarily on, on myths to create Star Wars. And she said while myths were a big part, he also, she also drew on, a lot of the the pulp, uh, the 1940s and 1950s pulp serials. The um, I think when it comes Flash to Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and but... in 1974, while pitching his original treatment for Star Wars, he this instead of going to mythology to describe it, he said it's 2001 meets James Bond in outer space. <laughs> that was the initial pitch for Star Wars. Well, I think that. My take on that would be the design. I think he took. Um, he took a lot from that. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. The other way, design. I felt like yeah. he took a lot from Flash Gordon. I mean, come on. I mean, right up until and Buck Rogers, right, right, including the serial. Yeah. Episode one. John you know, Carter. The whole like yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of people took from John Carter. So yeah. The one I was thinking, I want to talk a little bit. Let's jump into fun one for a moment. Okay. The infamous stormtrooper bonk on the head. Oh, uh, we're back to stormtroopers. Yes. Um, I, I mean, this isn't really a, 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 a there's not really a myth, but I think the myth part of it comes from there's been a lot of myths rolling around or urban legends, if you will, of 
who who like that was. There's some guy who takes credit for it and says it was me. I'm the one who hit my head on it. He's gone on and been interviewed and everything. But then I hear he was it was debunked and it was somebody else. And it's been so weird. And but he, you got to give Lucasfilm and George Lucas credit. They they totally owned up to it, and they even put a bunk sound <laughs> in. Like it wasn't there on the, in the original release. You just saw, you know, there was just the stormtroopers in the foreground were going ahead, and you didn't really look at the guy in the back. But then, you know, then with the umpteenth DVD release or somewhere along the line, you, you know, Lucas decided to put a little boop, and he went past it. And then he then he played homage to that, having like. Django Fett going up the ramp and hitting his head, and I think the Mandalorian even hit his head at one point. I mean, it's hysterical. What other ones? Did, what other ones do you have in that article? Uh, let's. I mean, there's there's a few. Few are just ones like obviously. Like one of them is that most fans are young white men. I can already debunk. I think that I think that goes along with a lot of wait, what, wait, a lot of people. Where is that a myth? Like, did she write that in the article? No. No, it's it's that that people think that there's a conception that all most Star Wars fans are white men of a certain age, but obviously that's not true. Like that's that's a well, myth that people. If my sale is any indicator. There are a lot of children and a lot of girls and a lot of different race colors, everything that are Star Wars fans, and I think yeah. that to say that it's mostly that you know one race or color or age is um definitely a misconception. So oh yeah. Absolutely. I here's one. The talk about did Lucas it's more out of universe. Did Lucas always have three trilogies planned? Mm. Yeah, this is what I've heard I've heard many I've heard several different things about that. That he did, that he had the entire thing planned out. Yeah, and then I've heard people say like no, he just had the one, and then when when the original Star Wars was a success, then he wrote and came up with the rest of them. Yeah, I I just think I there's been a lot of people kind of saying I think he had an idea. For, yeah. for, I think I I don't even know if he truly had you know he had a thumbnail sketch. He had yellow pad of paper with a thumbnail sketch for three movies. Okay, and then, you know, then he started putting together a backstory, you know, really as in a way to just kind of understand these older characters. And that became the genesis of the prequel. Well, I think when when people say that, did he have everything planned out, was what they're really asking, did he have a plan for Vader to be Luke's dad from the very beginning? I think that's what a lot of people are saying was, or was that just something that, as the story went on, he began to flesh out the stories like, "Oh yeah, let's." That's a really good idea. Let's do that. Or well, was this something that was planned from the very beginning to do that? My suggestion to everybody who wonders that is to read was two things: um, the 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 easy thing to do and the more harder thing to do. The easier thing to do: watch, find on YouTube or someplace from Star Wars to Jedi: The Making of the Saga. And it's the first three movies, the, the original trilogy. It's mostly, it's a, it's a, how to, you know, the making of all three movies, but mostly Return of the Jedi, because that was one that, that was just came out. It's only a few years later. And they had the most footage of behind the scenes from that one. 
And uh, but during it, there's a lot of interviewing with George Lucas. I mean, he is sitting there talking through a lot of different stuff. He's going through a lot of different aspects of the storytelling, and he lets out a lot of information. He gives out a lot of information about you know some things, and and it, and it doesn't really lean one way or the other too much about whether or not he had a plan in place or not. But it does show his kind of insight, what he was thinking, his thought process. And then the other thing, which is a little bit harder, but I would recommend everybody read the the, uh, the late, great J.W. Rinsler books, Making of Star Wars, Making of Empire, Making of Jedi. Because those books are so finely detailed, and they include, like, good, bad, and ugly that goes into all these movies. And they, they include the drafts, some of the drafts, or at least drafts of certain scenes and how things work. And I think when you read those books, you'll come to the conclusion, or at least you'll come to some level of understanding that, you know, he had a thumbnail sketch idea. Just like, you got to remember that when they put these movies together, he was hiring artists. And artists were creating images out of nowhere. And he was getting inspired by that art. I mean, he had some ideas, but the artists like the Roth Macquarie, the Joe Johnson, and then later the Doug Chang and Ryan Church, these guys were coming up with these great images that you know became part of the storytelling. And there was so many things that didn't exist. Like, in the case in point, they wanted to put Asajj Ventress into one of the prequels, and you know, it didn't it ended up getting cut and being used. Same thing with the Night Sisters; they ended up getting used in Clone Wars. So, so I think that while there might be a thumbnail idea. You know, some basic thoughts. I don't think he had a full plan in place. And I think that people should be aware of that because they they tend to put Lucas on a pedestal. And I'm very appreciative of George Lucas, the man, the director, the creator, the the maker. But I also feel like J.J. Abrams and the whole team behind uh, the sequel trilogy have done quite a few of the same things that yeah. Lucas did. Just George just answered to himself. That was the only yeah. difference. So. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that we've, that uh, this is before, before your tenure on here that we talked about that with the prequel, not the, yeah, with the prequel trilogy, you were, George had no, like in the original, in the original trilogy, because George was a young director, he was still kind of relatively un, you know, somewhat unknown at the time. He had a few movies out. People were more likely to, when he come up with a crazy idea, to say, "Let's tone it back, George. Let's do something else." Whereas when he was the prequel, it was George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, and he even said himself that he had too many people telling, not wanting to tell him no about stuff because it was George Lucas. One thing I one thing, and this kind of ties back to one of our original thoughts that we had here, is the idea that. The original version of Star Wars is the best version. The let me say the non-specialized edition is the best version, and the special edition added nothing of importance to the movies. That, that's that's a myth or misconception. Misconception. I put it as a misconception. I that, agree. That I, that I, it I, added I, nothing to you know none of the none of the special none of the added scenes or extra special effects added added anything and that you have to watch the the perfect pure edition of the original trilogy for it to be I I have not watched the original 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 trilogy 
since 1997, you know, January of 1997. Right. Um, I have a version. I know I have a, I have a tape version on tape, which of course I don't have a way to watch tape right now, but I have a DVD that came with that one, that one box set of the trilogy that yeah. they, they took the laser disc or something and they just transferred it to DVD. Don't get me wrong. I, I would not, you know, if I was going to see a movie theater and, and going to the movies and it was going to be, if they decided, I, I don't know if I would buy it again. I might buy a original version if they made like a super HD version yeah. of the original and they remastered it. I'd probably get it, but, or, you know, watch it on, if they put it on Disney Plus, because right now that's pretty much, I don't buy movies anymore. I just subscribe to Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean, and they're, I, like, I definitely don't think that it's, I think no. that. And for me, there, there are certain scenes that actually add it was a more. Scene. It was so yeah, great. I know Jabba, CG Jabba, isn't all that great, but I appreciate the, you know, the original that they put in there. I appreciated that and, and the efforts that they've made since to try to make it better. I just yeah. think that the the idea of the, when there are certain creatures, even now, the latest, the sister, the twins, not the sisters, the twins from yeah. Book of Boba Fett, whom I, I feel like that is the foremost best version of two uh, huts together that we've seen so far. But I still don't think they hold a candle to the original Return of the Jedi. Yeah. In, in terms of like, you know, realism and being able to see it. I think they're getting better and I think they'll continue to get better. Yeah. But I Once, just, but I appreciate this, the, the storytelling that was going on there. I appreciate that you got to see yeah. Jabba. You got to understand what, you know, the Jabba, the threat that Jabba was to Han. Wasn't just yeah. some, you know, flighty thing in the in the back of somebody's mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and one scene, one scene that I think that they added, where it's in the movie, but they added stuff to the scene to make it more was the scene in the Death Star where Han runs down the corridor. He's trying to, do, and then the original one, he just runs into like a handful of stormtroopers and runs back. Well, right. the way they shot it, the way they do it now, where he turns around. It's an entire platoon. Then you see the AT8, the ATST walkers yeah. sitting there, and makes it like, like okay, that's... yeah, no, it I, adds a little bit more. It makes it even more funny, you know. Where he turns the corner and he's like, oh, nope, not doing that. Nope, nope, no. Um, and then Empire Strikes Back. Um, I thought that there was that little scene between you just saw Vader. I mean, it wasn't much, but it was Vader returning back to his Star Destroyer. There was. A little more, you know. I mean, I just thought it added to the ambiance, you know, yeah. the, the cool and factor. Even, even changing, you know, I thought it was a good idea to change. You know, when they redid it to have Ian McDermott, yes, uh, be the emperor instead of the. And no offense to the guy who did it before, but it just fit more into like a continuity. Like, okay, this makes more sense, and yeah, and and I and you know, I think that. Well, George, you know, as I said, George has made the comment that my movies don't, they don't get released, they escape. And, and that was the way it was always done. And, you know, when George got to the point where he was a corporation, basically, and he could do what he wanted with his independent films, he decided he wanted to tinker with them and do something with that. Now, there's many that believe that when you take a, you know, a movie and you put it out into the public, it becomes the public. Okay, and it becomes theirs, and to tinker with it and change it up 
and not make what you originally did available. I think that's what upset some fans more. Not so much that he did a special edition, but that he he totally he wanted that to be the final finito. That's the version yeah. of do. And and you know, I can understand some people getting aggravated with that. At the same time, I feel like it was his sandbox. Yeah. And you do what he wanted to do with it. And yeah. if you don't like it, well, then go out and make your own movie. And, you know, and put it out there and then change it up the way you want to change it. You know, he was just not happy with the way the technology was able to catch up. You know, he wasn't happy with – there was a lot of things in his career that he was pushing the envelope on. And some of the things were very innovative at the time and still hold up today. Other things were – Kind of innovative at the time, but you know, got you know things like some of the early CG work with the creatures and stuff has have really improved since then. But you needed that to get to where we are. So I appreciate that. That's you know that's a part of it too. So you know I understand it, but I also feel like you know again, however Star Wars resonates with you is completely fine. And and I do hope for those fans that Disney does release. I mean, I've heard rumors that they're going to release an original untouched. I think because not so much of the special edition, but because there's been like three or four other editions after that. Like even that emperor scene you mentioned was not until the Blu-ray release, I think. Right. And then the, yeah. and the Vader, no, as he threw him over, which I, I get, I don't, it didn't take anything away from me, but if, if it would be nice if they, for the people who just want that original, version for them to release something, you know, even to put something on, maybe even just put something on streaming. Heck, if you put that on Disney plus and, and a nice HD version and never made it available any other way, you probably get more subscribers. So, but I agree with you that yeah. that is a misconception. What else we got? Um, you know what? I'm thinking this might be a little bit of a shorter episode this week. Um, I, cause I'm not really, I'm kind of, uh, yeah, I think we might just wrap things up here. That's fine. I mean, I think it was a cool. It was a cool topic. It doesn't have to be uh, too yeah. long. But I think too that yeah. you know, I know I mean, you got a you got a long trip ahead of you tomorrow. Uh, yes. Oh, you know it. Yes. I'm, I'm I'm actually taking two days, but we're gonna try to drive most of it tomorrow. Um, yeah. Which it will be about twelve, thirteen, fourteen hours, and then and then uh, do a short trip the next day. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, all right. All right. Well, why don't you tell the fine folks out there where they can find you at? Okay. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I am currently running a YouTube channel called Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing Show. And you can find it. Just do a search of Darth Tuba on uh, YouTube and you should find it. And you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Darth Tuba, Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing page on Facebook. And you can email me DarthTuba77 at gmail.com. All right. As for us right here, you can email us at warthestars1 at gmail.com or you can go on Twitter and uh, check us out there at warthestars1. Um, we do we do a lot of fun stuff there. We are, of course, a part of the Red 5 Network. Go to red5network.com for more information on all the shows on the Red 5 Network. Uh, if you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash War of the Stars, or go to spreadshirt.com uh, and just search for the stars there. That should take you to it. Yeah, that'll, that's about it. I can't think of anything else. So 
with that being said, remember, this isn't just my Star Wars. This isn't just your Star Wars. It's our Star Wars. Until next time, may the Force be with you. Till the spire, everyone.